reach your destination. Welcome to Harmonic Headspace. Music for your psyche. Let's do this! Hey, happy Sunday, everybody. Happy hot, melty Sunday. Welcome to Harmonic Headspace, everybody. We are the icing to the cake. That is your weekend, the melty, sweaty, <laughs> pulled up cake. The cupcake that just ran down my fingers and is on my thigh faces of my jeans. Oh, I was going to say your knickers, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. So uh, welcome back. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, this is Astro. Over there is Prosty behind the control console. What's up? We are uh, happy to be with you tonight. We have uh, some cool uh, show and songs. But before we get into that, we got to recap last week where we had our twin guitar show. That was awesome. That Very was a lot cool. of fun. We had a special guest, Clem, here. He uh, had Basically, he ran a lot of the show, and it was a ton yeah. of fun. He yeah. brought in a lot of good songs, played some stuff that I probably wouldn't have brought in that was a little more challenging. But, you know, I think I'm drawing a little bit off of that, bringing in some challenging stuff here tonight for our show. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Clem hopefully will have his own show. Uh, he definitely proved his worthiness last week, uh, you know, and I think if he does a show, I think it's going to be similar to ours because he likes the whole researching uh, topics and he's very knowledgeable on these, you know, topics, not just like, oh, I know who sings this and what the name of the song is. Like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was fun. Uh, so tonight we're uh, pivoting here into uh, siblings. Uh, bands with siblings. Um, this one was fun to research. I ended up with a lot more than I thought there would have been. Uh, a lot of obvious ones that were like, hey, you know, we play a lot of these bands already on yeah. the show, a lot of. So I think we're going to have a this honorable mention segment later and, and get into, uh, you know, some of the artists that, you know, are pivotal sibling led bands that we, you know, aren't playing for one reason or another. Uh, but let's get into what we are playing tonight.
All right, there we go. There's three songs from Siblings. I'm not going to tell you who it was until I tell you that you can call us tonight at 617-829-9283 on the A-Brews listener line and let us know what you think. Uh, You can also text us at 617-764-9283. 9283 spells wave, by the way. So, yeah, give us a call. Give us a text. And uh, that last song was kind of trippy. That was kind of trippy. And you know what I also noticed? It faded out at the end. It may be the earliest fade in history. That was from 1970. You know, but what's even weirder is it stopped completely. Two or three times. Twice. Twice. I don't get it. Yep. I just don't get it. They 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 ended the song twice perfectly, and then at the end they faded it out horribly. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was a relatively quick fade out. I was surprised. I'm looking. I'm like, are you fading that yourself? That song is an old song. I don't think they faded back then. I guess they did. Yeah, that was. Uh, but that was a really cool tune, and it really reminded me of some um, some White Album. Yeah, White Album. You know? It almost sounded like uh, you know London Floyd yeah. type like era. Yeah. And it was the PGs. It was the PGs. From nineteen seventy. That's insane. I would listen to that. Yeah, I mean, it makes me want to listen to that album. I mean, if that's one of the songs they put out yeah. on an album in nineteen seventy, I mean clearly is well before the disco era and you know, they they have some back in these days they had like one is the loneliest number. Like there's they had some songs that weren't necessarily garage rocky type stuff. Like this sort of was. One is the loneliest number, the Bee Gees? Yeah. The Animals wrote that, didn't they? Oh, the Bee Gees did it. I mean, they played it. Actually, oh, okay. I'm not. I don't know if the Animals were. The Animals didn't write an awful lot. I don't know if you really knew that. The Animals were covered a lot of stuff. Is the loneliest. Yeah, they definitely covered it? that. Oh, no, it's Three Dog Night. Sorry, my bad. Three Dog Night may have written it. I don't know. Yeah, I, I haven't yeah. done my research on one. We didn't play one. Metallica played one too. Yeah, but very different song. Different one. Yeah, that's actually a cool tune. Uh, and Three Dog Night's a cool band. Uh, I don't know if we can find a way to slide them in somehow if we play some oldies. I'm sure we can find a way to get some Three Dog Night in there at some point. I don't mm-hmm. know. You know, we'll figure it out. Nice. All right. So we started with Jackson 5. I Want You Back. Probably the most recognizable song you're going to hear tonight or one of them. Yeah. And if you look at sibling as in quantity. Yeah. We got five. There's five of them in there. And one of them being Michael Jackson. Yeah. Who had 50. 50. Top 100 hits? Yes. MJ. Yeah. And the Brothers. So that was I Want You Back. Uh, that's a good tune. I like that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, we played the Isley Brothers. Uh, no, we didn't play Chambers. the Isley Brothers. We played the Chamber yep. Brothers. <laughs> a song called Funky. Yeah. Uh, and it was pretty good. Uh, you know, I think funky. everybody knows the Chambers Brothers from uh, Time Has Come Today. Yeah. You know, that was sort of their, their big hit. And we played that one already. It's a good tune. And I was like, yeah, you know, a lot of these actually the artists were playing i don't really know a lot of their stuff and you know at harmonic headspace we don't want to just play the hits necessarily yeah uh so dug a little deeper and i found that one pretty quickly and you know just sounded pretty cool so yeah funky do you remember why we played time has come today um what show it was on i don't remember what show we've had too many so many shows now i don't remember which one it was i think it was on the one hit wonder show I think you're right. <laughs> so, yeah, this was, certainly wasn't a hit. It was a, a fun tune to listen to, right. but it wasn't a hit. So, right. yeah, that makes sense. Look at us. I mean, now you know the show's getting old. We're playing two songs from one-hit wonder band. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and one of them's not a hit. Exactly. That's all right. 
Um, and yeah, and then we played that Bee Gees tune, which, uh, you know, there's, you know, I was going researching songs to play and I knew I wanted to play a Bee Gees song, obviously, because, you know, it's another band where 100% of the members are, are siblings, the brothers, like, like Gibb. the Jackson fives, the brothers Gibb. Yeah. Um, and there was some interesting stuff. Like I wasn't going to look for anything, you know, after 75, obviously, uh, even though just, you know, scanning through Spotify and playing some stuff like that, some interesting, like. 80s stuff that was kind of funny to from listen. the bgs yeah listen to little tidbits of it here and there but never seriously consider playing it i knew yeah. we were going to go back because they actually had a fairly interesting career even like before they even came out to like the u.s when they were in uh, australia and, and the uk um but yeah I thought, I thought this was a fun little tune it sounded almost like sort of kinksy as well and some brothers in that yeah band. yeah uh the uh the guitar it sounded kinksy, definitely. Yeah, it did. It's probably Jimmy Page. Who knows, right? <laughs> in the studio, actually, no. He wouldn't have been doing studio work by 1970. I think he was beyond that point in his career. Yeah. Uh, so let's uh, jump back into this one with a couple of uh, brothers from the Queen's Clearwater Revival.
All right, there was some songs from the 60s and 70s. Uh, we started off with Credence Clearwater Revival and the Fogarty Brothers doing uh, Sinister Purpose, a little deeper album cut that I've always liked. Every song by Credence Clearwater Revival, it's so you know it's them, right? Yeah, and it's not just Fogarty's voice either. Yeah, no, it's it's the guitar, his tone. It's the tone. I think it's it's the uh, the song structure too. Like they're generally simplistic, yeah. but they're I think they're very um, there's their signature to it. Yeah, totally. They have a sound. And, you know, I think we, we've had this discussion before where some people are like, oh, I don't like them. Every song sounds the same. And it's like, uh, I'm okay with that. So it, I don't think the songs sound the same. I think the, the band sounds the same. Well, and, and I'm good uh, with that. And, and honestly, I think they sort of set the blueprint for uh, something that ACDC has really yeah. driven to success. Is like you have a signature sound. It's not particularly... Uh, you know, it's not particularly complex, but it doesn't need to be. It's effective and people yeah. like it. And if you can keep writing interesting material within that paradigm that you are occupying, it's going to be successful. Yeah. Um, and Credence, we never really got to see that play out because they were gone in like five years. Yeah. But they put out a shitload. I, of- I mean, honestly, I would argue that outside of probably the Beatles, I don't know of many rock bands that had that short period of time where they release so much impactful material that still sounds relatively fresh today i I don't i've never heard to this day a credence song that sounded dated yeah yeah they're uh they're solid one of those solid rock bands yes all right uh after credence we heard the kinks situation vacant yes that was another deeper track off of uh some of the 60s kinks that was i believe uh from 67 uh something else by the kinks Mm. and i just love that their output from like 66 like i i agree with you some of the earlier stuff like the 64 65 this stuff they did their very beginning of their career um it was sort of formulaic it wasn't Mm -hmm. overly interesting stuff i mean they had some obviously some excellent riffs and and hooks and like they had hits yeah exactly that's the thing is hooks you know right and back then rock was a new thing right and so when you got it, it was like a verse, chorus, verse. You know, you play the guitar. There's maybe a little mini solo. It's like if you could do it well and you had a voice like Ray Davies mm-hmm. or Paul McCartney or John Lennon and you had the look they had, you're going to be famous. Right. And that's that's what happened. Yeah. And the thing with the Kinks, too, and like, you know, we've talked about this before. Um, you know, they were banned from touring America from, I think, 64 or 65 till 69. And they... Bef- Why were they banned? Uh, they were they were rowdy uh, performing. Uh, they were sh- not showing up on time. Like I guess you have <laughs> to apply to almost like a performance visa if you're from outside of the country to, to tour in the U.S. And they had it revoked, I think, for four or five years. And it was that period. And then you don't know if it was the result of them being forced to not tour the U.S. or it was just their growth they were going to have anyway. And you just didn't see it because you didn't get to see it in the U.S., but they went from that formulaic couple, you know, riff, you know, two, three chord songs mm-hmm. to a much more intricate uh, type of songwriting and, and performance. And it was outside of the spotlight in the U.S. So, like, when they came back in 69, their entire peak period up to that point was sort of missed in the U.S. And this mm-hmm. was part of that. Yeah. Um, and then we finished it off with a heart uh, song that everybody probably knows crazy on you. One of their big three hits from the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, probably the, the least popular of the two. I think, I think uh, 
Magic Man and Barracuda are pretty big, big hits and well known. And Crazy on You is too as well, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think we've played this one yet. And uh, you know, if you're going to play the Wilson Sisters, you gotta you gotta get some action going there. Yeah, and they've put out albums in every decade <laughs> since. 1975 they have yeah the, the 70s uh actually let's play a quick game uh <laughs> the over under do you know uh do you know how many albums our heart has put out heart. i'm gonna i'm gonna put 17 as the over under uh over i think they did 19 albums it's under they did 16 uh, that as was, a trick question uh, studio uh, albums or like live studio too? Albums. yeah you, you can't count live ones because it you know right. they're not like in period live albums like we've talked about in the past mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I would say bad animals from 1987 probably had their most hits their, their most and biggest hits i mean yeah back in the 70s crazy on you and uh magic man and barracuda were huge but when they came out with these dreams oh that was on heart self-titled okay yeah. uh, that yeah. that album the one that's the one that's had right. these dreams and uh a couple others too okay uh so 1985 uh i think that is their most successful period of time like between 1985 and 87 well i mean they basically had the same renaissance that aerosmith had at the same yeah. time and they which both kind of funny kind of did the same thing they went from a a hardcore hard rock band like gritty rock to band. a pop rock band exactly with probably outside writers you know mm-hmm. that that was the formula needed to, to go by in the 80s yeah. if it was going to work and they were both huge again they were I both mean, huge arguably bigger than they were in the 70s yeah exactly i mean uh pump and permanent vacation from aerosmith in the yeah. 70s did exactly what heart did yeah you know and and i love those albums i i like pump that's a great album. Pump is, uh, and th- that's really what got me to love Aerosmith. Like my first favorite band, where I actually went and like went back and got their entire back catalog. Mm-hmm. But it was really anchored by Pump and Permanent Vacation because I was I was a kid getting into rock, and those were being released. Like all the videos were on MTV, and they mm-hmm. had a lot from those two albums. And you know what happened? Uh, they released Pandora's Box. Yeah, I had that CD and set. That was essentially the beginning of the box set revolution. Do you remember? Uh, there was some before that, like yeah, Eric Clapton's Crossroads, Led Zeppelin, yeah. uh, Bob Dylan had a biograph. But that was all within like one year. Allman Brothers, yeah, like 89, 88, 89. Yeah, it was like the beginning of the box <laughs> the box set revolution. I remember Pandora's box, the first one I got. Yeah, I had the Allman Brothers one, mm-hmm. uh, I had a Yes box set, it was yeah. really cool. Zeppelin came out with a box set, and Hey, See, Hey, What Can I Do was on it. Well, that's the thing, like with Zeppelin, like it was kind of like, it was a cheesy, like it was basically all their songs. Yeah. It was like 80% of their songs with two new songs. Yes. Uh, you know, and one of them was like a, a mix of uh, the two drum, so you know, the two drum songs melded together, which kind of yeah. was stupid. Yeah, but Hey, Hey, What Can I Do became a hit. It did. And then tra- 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 Traveling Riverside Blues, too. Their, their Robert yes. Johnson cover was actually right. relatively, uh, I don't know, call it a hit necessarily, but, you know, had a radio I it, play. I think it was a hit. I, they played it on the radio all the time. Well, it was a new Led Zeppelin song. Of course they're going to play it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I guess one of my point is, like, if you look at the Aerosmith box at Pandora's box, there's a lot of early non-album stuff that's really cool that they put on there that you couldn't get any other way up until that point whereas zeppelin kind of cheesed out and saved all that stuff which actually there really wasn't that much stuff there was no real additional songs because they dumped it all out on coda right uh, after the band <laughs> right. wrapped you know <laughs> yeah all right let's jump back into some music 
All right, we had some uh, sibling bands, uh, more recent ones. Uh, I don't believe we played any of these three artists before on the show. I don't think so. So we let it off with Tiga and Sarah, obviously a uh, sister duo. Um, that was an interesting song of theirs called uh, Walking with a Ghost. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. How did you know? How did you learn about them? Uh, well, I, I knew they were sisters because they were, uh, you know, I, I knew they were from, uh, I think it was some, maybe something I read in Rolling Stone or something mm. about, you know, up and coming bands a few they, years back. Do they have any hits? Um, I mean, I don't, I'm sure they must have some yeah. hits. Because <laughs> I've never heard of them. So I was just wondering how you had heard of them and then to, to be like, oh, they're siblings. Well, I stay plugged in. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then uh, from that, we followed that up with the National. And uh, I knew there was, uh, I knew there were brothers in this band. I didn't know there were two sets of brothers. Yes, two sets of brothers. These guys have a huge following. Yeah, and we played Anyone's Ghost, which just coincidentally, you know, lined up right after uh, uh, Walking with a Ghost. Uh, yeah, that's tune. funny. That was kind of funny, but I like that tune. That was a good tune. Um, you know. I'm not sure about the singer's voice. It was a little more baritone than I'm usually into. Yeah, very, yeah, very um, deep. And uh, if it's a, I listened to a few of their songs, like slower ones. It's like, whoa, it's almost off-putting, like with such a deep voice and a slower song. Uh, I think the song we played was a little more upbeat, so I think it worked a little bit better for me at least. Yeah, but I think I don't think that The National is an upbeat band. Right, but you I know? mean, even bands that aren't necessarily upbeat have some songs with a little bit of pace to them. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, they're their brand seems more like um emotional uh almost sad almost you know what i mean it's like they, if anyone says does the national rock i'd be like hell no they're a rock band though they're a rock band and they play great music but you know what i mean it's like they don't have that energy yeah uh band with that energy are these uh, young lads in greta van fleet we played safari song by them yeah, that was off their first album, I think, right? Was, uh, I think so. Was that from, not from the fires, from uh, the, the Garden Gate battle, yeah, right? That yeah. one? Uh, when it, well, I remember the first time I heard this, I was like, oh my God, is is old rock coming back? You know, are, do, do kids like this again? Right. I, I think they do. Or it's old guys like us saying, oh, there's rock. <laughs> and, and we're listening to it and the young, young generation isn't. I wonder what the average age of their their crowd is probably certainly older than them because i mean i think when their first ep came out that was probably four three four years ago mm -hmm. at the most and i think of the four members there's three of them are brothers one of them's purportedly potentially a cousin that hasn't been confirmed or denied yet <laughs> um but uh they were in their teens maybe yeah. 20 yeah at the no, time they were in their teens yeah they were they were in high school yep that when they kind of got their break in high school, that's nuts. In high school, and you know there was a lot of praise, but also a lot of criticism that that first EP I think called "From the Fires." That's the one. That's I actually had I had that one. Won the album of the year. Yeah, um, it sounds a, a lot like Led Zeppelin. Yes, and that's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Um, and I read an uh, interview with the lead singer, and they're like, you know, who were your influences and he was like i didn't really have any influences and they were kind of like bullshit you sound like robert plant and he and you know what he said i don't really know who led zeppelin is <laughs> i don't know it, I don't, it, I don't, how do you how yeah. do you want to be in a rock band before you're 20 years old and not have heard of led zeppelin but then I again i know 
you know we were at least alive when we were born when led zeppelin was still a thing yeah so i mean they weren't a band when we started listening to music necessarily but they were not that far in, in the past of history and i'd like to believe the all-time greats are the all-time greats and every you know, any fan of rock music is going to listen to pink floyd and the beatles and led mm-hmm. zeppelin and the rolling stones yep but maybe that's just our generation saying we're going to listen to this stuff and you know people listening to rock like this this kid in in, in a band you know like yeah. you know maybe his influences were bands that were out in the 90s and and the early 2000s right. you know he wasn't listening to stuff in the 60s and 70s yeah. that's too far back right yeah you know it's like it, us listening to perry cuomo it it, <laughs> it totally makes sense but i still have a hard time believing it i have a hard time believing it too because it sounds way too much like yeah him. he does uh yeah uh, but anyways, great band. Yeah, and, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad they're around, and yeah. I, I wish them the most success around. Try to, you know, convert some people who haven't listened to much guitar music. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Uh, all right, let's jump into uh, one of my favorite bands of all time. Yes. 
All right, that was the Stooges, Gimme Danger. Before that, we had two by the Misfits because they were both under a minute and a half each. <laughs> and less than a minute and a half of Misfits is not enough Misfits, so I put in two. Yep, that's perfect. And uh, we started off with Closure by one of my favorite all-time bands, Chevelle. Um, so let's, uh, let's start with closure, right? Um, you know, I was talking to Astro off, uh, while we were listening to it and he was saying how they were really reminded him of tool and you know, how tool, um, is definitely influenced such a huge genre and you can tell that Chevelle is in there. Um, totally agree. Um, yeah. you can hear the tool in that song, like, uh, but they have so many different, they're, they're just like, I can't remember who we were talking about earlier, but one of those bands who, uh, I think it was Fogarty, um, maintains that sound. Yeah, it was, like, it was Creedence Fogarty, right? You know, like, even if you've never heard a song by them before, I mean, uh, if you hear a song for the first time from them and no one tells you who it is, you're like, right away, Chevelle. Like Tool. Like yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, for me, like... No, I'm, I'm joking because uh, we mentioned, like, uh, this is, I think, the third song of the years you played for me, and this is the one that I like the most. And, and mm-hmm. to me, it sounds... Like, if I didn't know that it was Chevelle, I would have said, oh, this is Tool. This must be a song. Like, I don't know I don't know Tool's discography so well yeah. that I know every single song. Yeah. So I could have easily been convinced, oh, that was on, like, Anima or something. Yeah. I didn't. I just didn't... I didn't know. Yeah. Um, but sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, no, that the sound of their instrument sound, that the tones are very similar. And Pete Lotfler's got a high voice, uh, so it sounds like Maynard. So that one was, and it's heavy, right? But um, this song, Closure, I, I one of my favorite Chevelle songs, because not because Pete has one of the greatest voices ever or the guitar player is the best or drummer or whatever, um, but the way they construct their songs with the sound i mean that uh, closure starts off like just a little guitar nice and simple easy and every every part of the song it goes from a verse chorus verse whatever it does um it it just gets heavier and heavier and heavier and it ends with that huge like it's like a uh crescendo you know what i mean and not a lot of bands do that, you know. I like how they build that energy, and uh, like I, I said to Astro, I feel like Chevelle is giving me a bear hug when I listen to their music. <laughs> Just like give me a bear hug. That's that's what I think of Chevelle. So. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Um, obviously, they've been around for a while. They put out a lot of records. They have a, a big, you know, fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing something right. They're doing something people like. Yeah. And now tell me, who were the siblings in the band? Uh, Pete and Sam Loeffler. Okay. Um, they had another. I thought there was like another cousin uh, that was in the band, but then <laughs> second cousin left. once removed. I can't remember. Then he left the band. He was twice removed. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll look into it. But I think there was another family member before this third guy came in, and, and the other guy's not in there anymore. Nice. Yeah. So uh, two misfit songs. Yes, two misfit. Which you kind of have to do unless you're pulling one of their like long jammy ones. That's like two minutes and forty five seconds. <laughs> long jammy, exactly. Yeah, and the Misfits are the uh, progenitors of the horror horror punk horror sub punk. scene. Yeah, that's it. And they, they are the ones who started all. And there's not an insignificant number of bands. I mean, that's that's you know people are into that shit. All of their songs are about death and horror and Halloween, and it's really interesting that they they're like telling a story, angry, and it's just it's a really cool product well it's it's funny with these guys like they've they have a huge fan base mm-hmm. and 
you know, there's they've had a lot of lead singers. Obviously, Glenn Danzig was the first one, but yeah. they've had a lot of singers and a lot of really like well-received albums. It was not like it's been Glenn and then just a bunch of guys that fill in. I don't know. I'm not a Misfits fan. I'm not going to pretend to be. Uh, I don't know the names of a lot of the other singers, but I know that they've put out albums that were very popular, like in the 90s. Like this wasn't just, uh, you know, like Ozzy where he left and then you know, they brought in a singer, you know, Ronnie who's good. And then it was a bunch of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had guys and they've done really well with that. So, you know, Danzig was obviously a key part of it. It was the beginning. Um, but they were very successful with other singers after. Yeah. Uh, and I love that you can still see kids walking around with misfit shirts on. Oh, but that's the classic, like name three songs, punk. Yeah. You know that. And a lot of them wouldn't be able to. Like, yeah. Yeah. But, I still think it's cool that they know that they're worthy of a t-shirt. You know I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's, you gotta admit though. I mean, they have a very, very cool logo. That's, you know, it's very easy for a kid to say, Oh, I'm going to paint my fingernails black and wear a misfit shirt. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, but like I said, good product, right? Yeah, exactly. Hey, I, I like their music more than kisses. So sure. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I, I, when I was listening, uh, like I said, I listened today cause I, I don't know the misfits. Well, I know, you know, I probably guess when I hear them who they are. I know the songs that Metallica has covered, the three songs that they've covered really yeah. those, I don't know many songs beyond those three. Yeah. Uh, but when I was listening, Glenn Danzig voice was like so noticeable and I was like, right. Oh, more Danzig I can hear. Right. Yeah, so and then cool. we can't. We also got to touch on the fact that we're playing them tonight because they have the brothers, uh, the guitarist and and bass player, uh, the only brothers. Yes. Yep. So uh, yeah, that's and they've been mainstays. I think the whole time. I'm not sure. Actually, no. I think the guitarist may have left, um, but Jerry's. I think he's a bass player. He's he's yep. been there the whole time. Yep. Sort of like Jerry from Devo, who is a bass player and he's been there the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about some of the bands we're not playing yes. tonight here. Oh, actually, shit. I'm sorry. We'll get into that later. Yeah, we got the Stooges first. first. We gotta, yeah. we're, we're, band who did play yeah. today another uh another punk band with a lead singer who went on to even more stardom the stooges with iggy pop exactly and uh i'm not necessarily sure that iggy stardom i think it was built off of the stooges as well he mm-hmm. didn't have that much material that was better than the stooges mm-hmm. uh, even though the stooges stuff was very raw um yeah. not just in name but um, it was proto punk from the sixties and like early seventies. Like, you know, everybody talks about how, you know, the sex pistols in the UK and the Ramones really mm-hmm. sort of started the punk movement in 76. The Stooges kind of started it in 69 in Detroit. I mean, listen to their first two albums. It was very, they were very raw. Yep. Um, and well, that's what punk was. I mean, yeah, there was a whole point of punk and, uh, the, you know, their drummer, the drummer, uh, uh, Scott Ashton and the guitarist Ron Ashton. Those are the brothers in the band. And the funny thing is, uh, they had those first two albums and never really caught on anywhere. They kind of fizzled out. He, you know, went into a big, you know, addictive, uh, destructive phase. Um, although he's, I guess, always in that phase. Yeah. It just got worse. Yeah. <laughs> and the band sort of fell apart. And they came back. Uh, there was like 69 and 70. And they came back in, uh, I think, 72, 73 era with uh, Raw Power. And the interesting thing is they brought in a different guitarist who, uh, James Williamson, who wrote a lot of the songs with Iggy. Uh, and uh, Ron Ashton actually got pushed over to bass. So he actually plays bass on uh, on Gimme Danger. Oh, that's pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, and so they had a little bit more. I think there wasn't a lot of drive in the band to, to push things forward, and they brought in this new guitarist. I think he 
helped push things along with David Bowie, who produced the album. Right. That's pretty cool. And when I heard that song, I was like, oh, this is kind of acoustic. But it's produced that way, and it's really not acoustic. Well, and that's the funny thing. Like, it's Bowie's mix has, has gotten... Uh, there's been a lot of over the years the decades some people aren't necessarily happy with the way David Bowie mixed it like they feels like he sort of stripped a lot of the power out of it yeah coincidentally the album's called Raw Power <laughs> so yeah, it's right. like you know wh- Gimme Danger is not necessarily an acoustic song but it, it's there's acoustic guitar prevalent and yeah. upfront in the mix mm-hmm. and uh, I think Iggy remixed it when it was re-released in the early 2000s oh, nice. and uh, he put his own mix in and it's a little more uh, traditional guitar heavy than sort of the disjointed type of mix that Bowie did. Yeah. Um, I, like, I like them both. I mean, they're yeah. both great artists. They're both great mixes. It's a great album. It's hard to fuck up, uh, yeah. you know, raw power. <laughs> yeah. But I think Iggy Pop had some pretty good success after the Stooges. He did. And honestly, like, I, I really like his first couple albums. He did, again, produced by David Bowie, mm-hmm. um, uh, The Idiot and... Uh, uh, Lust for Life uh, from the yeah. 70s. And those, and again, like if you think about it, he kind of fizzled out. It came back with Raw Power in 73 and fizzled out again. Yeah. And he didn't come back till 77 with those two albums I just mentioned, 77, mm-hmm. 78. Actually, I think they were both at 77. But regardless, um, you know, he had some struggles there in the yeah. 70s to, to sort of get momentum going. But I think Lust for Life was probably his biggest hit of. Yeah, of, yes, I think probably true. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that, that was uh, – Iggy's great. I, he's, he's still kicking ass today, yeah, man, too. Is. It's crazy. Yeah, he is. And he's that kind of guy, too. Like, he, he's an ass kicker. <laughs> you know what I mean? He is. I, 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 there's so many awesome pictures of, like, uh, Iggy Pop, David Bowie, and Lou Reed hanging out together in the oh. 70s. Like, shit. <laughs> so, hey, let's get to some of these artists that uh, we're not playing tonight here that we talked yeah. about. So, I mentioned off the top, uh, you know, Jerry, the bass player from Devo. Devo's got two sets of brothers. Um, but you know, we've played a lot of them recently and, uh, thought we wanted to play, you know, go in a different direction with some artists we hadn't played before. Yep. So, uh, you know, same concept there for a few other artists, uh, Allman Brothers band, obviously we know about the brothers and that band is literally named after them. Uh, mm-hmm. but we play a lot of Allman Brothers, uh, including yeah. last week. Right. But, uh, we didn't play tonight because I guess we, we would have had to play only after their first album. True. Uh, no, no, they have, they, they have three albums really? between, yeah. Okay, well, there's a, I guess my point is there's a lot of great uh, Almond Brothers stuff that we couldn't play because they no longer have brothers in the band. Right, uh, but we played a lot of Almond Brothers over the, yes, year, over yeah. the year and change here. Yeah. Uh, another one, ACDC, yep. and we haven't necessarily played that much. I, we played enough. There's, I think there's yeah. the, the, the concept also of like we played a high percentage of songs of theirs that I really want to hear. So, yeah, so yeah. I can do, you know, go back and play more. Uh, another one, uh, this one I, I begrudgingly agreed to is the Black Crows. Yep. Everyone knows it's one of my favorite bands, but we do play yep. them because I play them every chance I can get. Uh, well, they we've are, played them a lot in the past couple weeks. Yeah, they're, they're some of the prototypical dueling, you know, dueling brothers that keep the band broken apart, sort of like the Kinks. And uh, the ultimate ones who we're going to be playing later because, you, can't, you know, we've only played a couple songs of theirs. Uh and then there's a couple others. Like here's the the key one that I was like, I like a couple of their songs, and we've already played them. Dire Straits. Yeah. Uh, so like played Sultans of Swing. We played you know the, the hits we've played yep. for the most part, the, the faster hits. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think yeah, it was just honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Um, Van Halen we've played a lot of. Yeah. And obviously key brothers in that band as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Radiohead. 
Yes. Uh, that's know. a big, that's one of the big, big Th- ones. Well, that's a big one because that's the only one on this list here that we've done a deep dive. So we're not going to do another, you know, Radiohead. We did Black Road Deep Dive too. No, we didn't, did we? Yeah, we did. No. With stores. Uh, yeah, I remember you guys were talking about what, what you should do, and I learned some new songs. We did. We did a Black Crows deep dive? We did. I'm not sure I remember that. Uh, was okay. I here? Yeah. Your stores was here, too. <laughs> All right. So and that's that's pretty much my list. Um, Soul Live was another one. I wanted to play yeah. them. I forgot to grab them because, uh, you know, besides Eric, the other two guys were brothers. Um, Neil Evans and Alan Evans. Uh, there we go. The Evans brothers, the yeah. drummer and the bass player, right? Uh, there is no bass player. He's a keyboard the drummer player. and the keyboard organist. Yes. yes. Um, there were a couple others too. I, I don't remember. I think we hit most of them. Uh, oh, uh, like the Leuven brothers. Here we go. And the Righteous brothers and the yeah. Statler brothers. Like this old school. They were brothers. Yeah, they, they were, were brothers. Cool. Yeah. We're not playing their music. We're definitely not the playing Carpenters. their music. The Carpenters. Uh, the Carpenters is in there with them. There's a couple others, Hanson and the Jonas Brothers. Yeah, I know. Sorry, guys. I was going to text you last night and be like, oh, we got to play the Jonas Brothers <laughs> just to see what you said. No. Yeah, I would have said no. I'd say <laughs> we'll, we'll give them a dishonorable mention. Uh, and then, and then uh, also Tin Machine, the, bo- the band that David Bowie put together, is actually the guys that played uh, on Iggy Pop's two albums that I mentioned in the 70s and mm-hmm. toured with them. It's the Sales Brothers, Soupy Sales, the comedian. His two sons played uh, bass and drums. Uh, on those Iggy Pop albums we're talking about. Uh, they played on Lust for Life. That's pretty cool. And uh, they were in Tin Machine with David Bowie. Wow. Um, but not playing them because I think we've, again, played the one or two <laughs> Tin Machine songs I want to hear already. Um, and the Brothers Johnson funk band, uh, you know, just we we'd recently played them. And I was like, ah, we can't really get another one of them in there. I almost just uh, yelled out the white stripes, but it's not his not yeah. sister. Yeah, not really a sister. You did mention one that... Blues Traveler, yes. where uh, Chan uh, yeah. is their, their guitarist, and his brother is the bass player, and he's been the bass player for decades at this point. But I think the problem with that is sort of like what you were alluding to with the Allman Brothers is the only songs of theirs I'd really want to play, and it's four albums worth of songs. I love their first four albums, mm-hmm. um, but Bobby Sheen was their bass player, and he mm-hmm. passed away, sadly, uh, you know, young after their fourth album, and yeah. unfortunately... Uh, there's really nothing good that's come out after that. Yeah. So, I mean, that shows how much of a driving force it was creatively in the band, but also points to the fact that we're not going to play them tonight. <laughs> he was actually one of the great bass players, and I don't remember if he featured him on the, featured him on the, um, on, on our I thing. think we might have, if, yeah. If we didn't, we definitely call them out because right. you listen to those four albums and the bass is the second most prominent thing than the harmonica. Watch a bass band take me home. That's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. good. Yeah. All right. Uh, so where are we? I think we got some more uh, newer bands coming up. Don't are we? we? Are we done with the uh, the? Sorry. Bros? Yeah, I think so. If there's any other that come to mind, I'll, I'll apologize for not playing them. But I think we hit most of them that I was thinking of. Yeah. All right. Let's jump into some more music.
All right, that was Haim with The Wire. Previous to that, we had Kings of Leon doing Molly's Chambers. And uh, we kicked it off with Arcade Fires ready to start. I want to say Haim, The Wire, is the poppiest song Harmonic Headspace has ever played. I would argue against that. We've played Madonna before. I don't think the Madonna song was uh, as poppy, though. I think we played something off of music because it was not poppy. I think we played the song music, and it's uh, got a lot of guitar. It's very creative. Not the poppy, jingly song like this. I don't recall which Madonna song we played, but I take your word for it. Because yeah. you have a better memory than I do. And you have the keyboards yeah. and screens and, if I was, and everything in front If of you. we were going to play any Madonna, I would absolutely lobby to play something off of music. Because it's the furthest from material your world than anything else she's done and she does a great job it's, it's good I, I like the album madonna there yeah. we go mm-hmm. um all right so uh we played Haim. that was very poppy i think yep. they're, they're more of a pop group than necessarily a rock band mm-hmm. um but i like the, like the sound of this one so it's pretty cool a couple sisters uh mm-hmm. doing doing their thing uh, prior to that kings of leon and arcade fire these were both earlier in their song careers um for probably 15 20 years ago at this point um, all of these groups are, are really uh, 21st century artists, which yeah. don't get an awful lot of representation here at Harmonic Headspace. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. We're middle-aged white dudes. Like, <laughs> we don't always have this stuff. Yeah, but I like Kings of, uh, yeah, Kings of Leon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so that, this is a band uh, similar to Greta Van Fleet. has three brothers in the band, and they confirmed cousin. Yes. I think this is what you were thinking of. I think so. Although I'm, I'm still standing by. I do think, I, I, I think the fourth dude in Greta Van Fleet is potentially a cousin. Okay. Uh, either way. Uh, Kings of Leon, Molly's Chambers. That's a pretty good tune. Uh, a little that's more a great rocking tune. from earlier in the, er, it's, from it's, the early days. It's kind of punky, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's when they, they claim the fame, they came up. I mean, I remember their first big tour. They were opening for Pearl Jam. Nice. Like, yeah. I don't think you would see that anymore these days. Like they're, more like Maroon Five than they are Pearl Jam these days, sadly. Yeah, they did. They did move over, but their early career was sounded like um, Arctic Monkeys. I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, like we were talking about that uh, on the break, and uh, Arctic Monkeys to me is like punk, but refined. Mm-hmm. It's like it's got the same attitude, the same lyrics, uh, you know, and it's raw. But punk is like over distorted and a little sloppy with all the instruments and you can't, you know, like it's just, it's mayhem. But with Kings of Lee, I mean, uh, with uh, Arctic Monkeys, everything is tight. Like everything is like almost rush tight. Yeah. You know, so it's like a uh, really cool. I like cool. that rush tight. Rush tight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's as tight as you can get. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Arcade Fire, uh, so, uh, I think a, sort of a collective uh, from Canada. Um, this is an interesting one because there's brothers in the band, um, the lead singer, and I believe uh, one of the guitarists, rhythm guitarist, keyboard player. Uh, his bro- the brother actually just left. These are the Butler brothers. Wynn is a singer, and I, I don't recall the, the name of his brother. So you can see we don't, we don't always just do harmonic headspace with our face on Wikipedia. Like we, we try to go from memory as much as possible. <laughs> nice. Um, and the interesting thing about it is uh, not only were there brothers in this band, but also uh, husband and wife. Mm. Uh, the two singers in the band are married. Nice. So uh, that's that's a cool little uh, arcade fire action there. They also moved a little more into the popular side of things, but I think they've held fairly true to their sound and their approach yeah. over the past 20 years. Uh, there's a band in Boston, Major Moment, 
who reminds me a lot of Arctic Fire. Yeah, the way like they're not necessarily singing backup for each other. No. They're sort of intertwined leads. Yeah, and they don't har- well, sometimes they harmonize, but a lot of times they sing the same note in unison and it really creates a, a, a large wall of sound. You know, it's awesome. Um, and uh, Major Moment came in here last year, uh, Andre and Sasha, who are awesome, awesome people. Great guests, too, man. Yeah. They, they knew a lot. Yeah, they were fun. Uh, Russian, Russian Born came here a few years ago and uh, trying to make it and, uh, you know, always have their backs there. They're our friends over here at Harmonic Headspace. So anyways, the, they, um, they sound a lot like Arcade Fire, and I, and I, I couldn't put that to um, them when they came in. Just because I don't know Arcade Fire that well. But right. now that I hear them, like, yep, that's the band. I'm sure they're going to be flattered if you mention that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we got a text here. Text line. We do? All oh, right. Yeah. Can you read it? I can. It says, uh, I think, I'm not, I don't recognize the text. I think it's John Anthony. I would assume it is because he's usually texts us 99, 98% of our texts. It's talking about uh, the Joe and Mario. Uh, the, oh, just disappeared. Uh, Rick du, Fleck. Duplantier. Oh, it's Rick. Rick, this is a first text from Rick, isn't it? Yep. Awesome. So, hey, thanks, dude. This is uh, the guys from Gorija, our brothers. So uh, we don't have any of that here. Oh, Gojira. Gojira. <laughs> Gorija. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. So uh, brothers in the bands. Yeah, that's a good band. They, uh, man. They would they, fit into the next set pretty well, wouldn't it? Yeah, they would. They would. All right. Uh, no, I just want to go here. It, oh, no, it's not the next set. Oh, it's the one, one after. after okay. Yeah, that's right. But still, let's get into it. Let's do it.
Right, we had some uh, fun little songs there. That was In Excess, What You Need from Listen Like Thieves, right before their big, big breakthrough. Obviously, this was a big hit in its time, uh, but uh, obviously the, the following album was uh, the, the big smash for them kick. Uh, but What was You Need. Was Listen Like Thieves the album before the album? I think it was. I'm pretty sure it was. Well, there was an album before Listen Like Thieves. Yes. There was actually... There's like, a few albums yeah. before that, right. But yeah. uh, the big breakthrough was really kick. But I mean, this this was probably their biggest hit up to that point. Yeah, exactly. So that was good. And it's the Ferris Brothers uh, from so, Australia. Uh, and I think uh, we got a text from Tracy Tree uh, saying, I can't wait till you play in excess. So, there well, it is. There it is. That's for you, Triana. It was what you need. Uh, so yeah, the three Ferris brothers, they had a drummer, a guitarist and keyboard player, and they, uh, brought in a couple of non Ferris's to, uh, play bass and, uh, sing. So, uh, that worked out pretty well in excess. Prior to that, we had Oasis with, a one of the most famous sibling rivalry band yes. breakup stories to this day. Yeah. These fucking guys are still broken up. Yeah. Still releasing music on their own. Not as good as it would be if they were together, most likely, but uh, them are the breaks. We didn't play the Black Crows, but we did play Oasis, Cigarettes and Alcohol. Yeah, so uh, the funny thing about that breakup is uh, Liam Gallagher, who's the, the main lead singer who's got that voice, um, is not has not been as successful as Noel, well, Noel's who a songwriter. has also a great voice. And he's the lead, and he's the songwriter, yeah. So he, he reminds me kind of like Jerry Cantrell where he writes all the music, he is the band, and he can sing by himself, But and he has a great voice. He just doesn't have that... Extra. Um, yeah. That, but that lead singer voice. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, he's a vocalist, absolutely. Yeah. He's a good vocalist, but he's not. A, he doesn't have that lead singer voice yeah. like Lane Staley and like his brother Liam. Mm. But he is uh, having a lot of success touring, and uh, there's, I think it's on Axis, but they're always playing... Noel Gallagher and the fly, it's a flying birds. What's he had a band or he has a band like the flying birds or something. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah. But it's shame. Like these guys, I remember seeing it was even back 20 years ago. It was so well known how these brothers were feuding. I remember seeing uh, the black Rose and Oasis did a double headlining bill called the brotherly love tour. I think in, like, <laughs> in, in 2000 or maybe it was 98 or something, probably 98. Um, but it was well documented that both of those bands had brothers that were at each other's throats. Yeah. And the Crows were able to put it aside. I think, you know, I do think a lot, I do think it's a, a fair amount of it was for actual brotherhood and family and love. 
but a lot of it was for money too i'm sure and yeah. uh, you know i think with oasis they haven't gotten to that point yet mm. um plus i mean think about it man chris robinson and liam gallagher i mean they're just they're some of the most renowned massive pricks in rock yeah and uh yeah i mean they make great music but they're still not back together oasis man it has been decades at this point i mean how long can a grudge go hey ask the davies brothers mm-hmm. <laughs> the funny thing is though the kinks those guys have been working together uh i think even before the pandemic um there is supposedly going to be some new kinks material and hopefully a tour i think i've been saying that since day one of harmonic headspace but uh so that's that when i look at the you know the feuding brothers those are the three that I always think of, you know, the Davy sent the template, set the template. And then, you know, you have the Robinson brothers from the crows and the Gallagher brothers for Oasis. Those are, those are the ones that are always in my mind as the three like feuding brother, uh, groups. Yeah. So there was some Oasis. And prior to that, we played an interesting one. Uh, it was sparks. So the male brothers, um these guys have been around forever from like the early 70s and just doing interesting weird off the wall stuff they have a pretty big following but most people don't know who the fuck they are like me yeah and like me a couple years ago um i've tried to listen to them i have a hard time with the singer's voice he's like freddie mercury like to the 10th degree uh, yeah. uh, in terms of how far he can go from an operatic perspective like i purposely sometimes I would tend to want to hear their more recent stuff because he's older and his voice can't get there anymore. Yeah. This was their biggest hit. This was fairly early in their career. Uh, this town ain't big enough for both of us. That was a weird one, man. Well, that's one of the more normal sounding ones that you would hear from these what? guys. Yeah. They're, they're pretty wacky. Oh uh, and this one, they actually had an album that came out a few years back, maybe 10 years ago or so. And it was basically a tribute album. And they had all these other artists, popular artists, you know, that were influenced by them that recorded their songs, but recorded with them. So the Male Brothers, the Sparks Brothers showed up and actually they re-recorded their songs with these other bands. And uh, this one was with Faith No More. And probably, you know, trying to think of bands that could be influenced by the Sparks Brothers, I would say that Faith No More is the most direct ascendant in terms of just compositionally crazy stuff i think uh ronnie bottom the keyboardist has got a lot of uh you know a lot of compositional ideas from what you heard from sparks and obviously somebody like mike Patton can really pull off that kind of like crazy off the wall delivery mm-hmm. speed uh and i thought it worked really well uh you know i saw that they did this today when i was doing research for it. i listened to a snippet of it i'm like yeah this you know i skipped a little bit and i heard Patton singing i'm like yeah we're gonna play this yeah. one you know who reminds me of that a little bit cake yeah yeah little off the wall yet tight and and, tight. and and similarly rush tight but also like you talked about earlier they have a certain sound like you know it's they cake. do yeah like you know it's, it's cake. weird and they're they don't they're not overly complex they're they don't stretch boundaries all that much but they have a sound and you know it's cake going the distance is a bit of a stretch that is not an easy song to play um well i don't want to say it's not easy but it's not it's it's not a simple song like the bass and the guitar both have like specific riffs and they switch off and there's not a lot of music that just like does weird stuff like that i I love that song i like cake cake's a good band yeah all right Uh, all right so uh yeah we did in excess for triana now let's jump into that one that i thought we were jumping into last time (laughs) 
Right, that wraps it up. We had an interesting uh, dichotomy of bands that we just played there. We started off with Pantera with Cowboys from Hell. Um, this is a, a band, half of the band was uh, brothers. So we had Dimebag, Daryl, uh, who was their guitarist, and uh, his brother Vinny, who played uh, drums. And uh, unfortunately, both of those guys have passed mm. uh, at, at this point. So uh, Pantera was, man, they were, they were an amazing metal band from Huge. the 90s, yeah. 2000s. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, unfortunately, they broke up pretty early and relatively early in their career. You know, they were, they had a few pretty big albums when they were a band, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just internal band tension. I don't. I think the brothers were cool. They didn't have no issues with each other. Um, yeah. But you know, Pantera, we played them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then we uh, we scaled it back a little bit from the aggressiveness of Cowboys from Hell and played a little Stone Temple Pilots. Uh, interestingly, we played from uh, probably their glammiest album, uh, yeah. Vatican Gift Shop, but we played a, a rocker off of it. It didn't really have much glam or psychedelic sheen to it like a lot of that album does called Tumble in the Rough. Mm-hmm. Um, love that album, though. All the songs are great. I, I love the fact that Stone Temple Pilots started with something like Core, like their heaviest album, right? Uh, very grungy. And were able to continue their success uh, through at least four albums, but even I like the ones after that, and evolve into a band who is just creative. I mean, think of the difference in sounds from like Cracker Man and, um, you know, some of their later, later stuff, um, uh, their, their biggest hits yeah. were totally poppy. 
You know what I mean? I mean, I think it's great that bands can do, well, they probably can't do that anymore, but <laughs> they were able to do that with such different sounding music and still have consistent. Well, I think a lot of bands that came out in the, you know, early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, had to evolve at some point because you know the, the music landscape changed significantly from 1990 to 94 95 mm-hmm. and if you were popular and successful and you know, between 90 and 94 um you needed to sort of try something different mm. i think um at yeah. least that's the way it sort of played out yeah. you know as a, as a spectator of of mm-hmm. uh you know music at that time I think of like what would you do how different that is from right. i am smelling right. like a rose I mean, I love it. I love everything they they did with Scott Wyland. Yeah, agreed. Um, and then we finish that off with Split Ends. I got you. Uh, that's I, that's a good tune, man, from the eighties. Yeah. Uh, so these are the Finn brothers. So I, actually, I think there may have been three of the Finn brothers in Split Ends. I think once they broke up and uh, Crowded House got together, I think it was just the two, Neil and Tim. Um, and I think the interesting thing, like Tim's the older brother and Split Ends was really his band and Neil played in it. Uh, and I think it was sort of the opposite once Crowded House started, like uh, Neil sort of took over as the creative force behind the band. And uh, they had a, like a handful of pretty big hits, uh, bigger than I think anything Split Ends put out. Mm-hmm. Um, but Split Ends, I like I like their sound, man. They, they sound like sort of like squeeze, like yeah. Like yeah. on the the pop end of the new wave spectrum. Yeah, like Elvis you know. Costello ish. Exactly right. Uh, so that was kind of fun, and, and I have some uh, you know some additional saris. Uh, yeah. you know, we we didn't play the Wood Brothers. Um, mm-hmm. The Wood Brothers have been good to play. Mm-hmm. Um, we also did not play the Bacon Brothers. Kevin Bacon and his brother. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, and a couple sorry not sorries where uh, you're not really brothers, even though you sort of <laughs> act like you are. The Doobie Brothers. Fuck yeah. you guys. You're not really brothers. That's right. uh, the Ramones. You know, four guys, uh, all with the last name Ramon. You're not brothers. <laughs> they're not it's, Ramones. They're not Ramones. Well, they are Ramones, but they're not Ramon brothers. Right. So uh, sorry, not sorry for not playing any Doobie Brothers or Ramones. Mm-hmm. Isn't there a um, a band that has two guys with the same name? Was it the Black Crows have two guys with the same name, but they're, you know, like first and last name? Not the Black Crows. Not Black Crows. Doesn't ring a bell. Uh, I have to find it. Doesn't ring a bell. Um, I would imagine they're not brothers, though, or their parents are psychopaths. <laughs> no, I, I think they're not brothers. It was just like a crazy coincidence. <laughs> There's a band out there that has that. Like Tim Smith, and it plays bass, and like Timothy Smith is a drummer? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's from Britain. He's Timothy Smythe. Come on. Nice. Uh, all right, so that is our show. All right. Yeah. Thanks for hanging with us here on Sunday night or whenever you listen to it. Appreciate all you folks and uh, have a great week.
Thank you. 